When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Rotoballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 457 got a returning guest to the show a, a great guest to the show just got done drafting a main event it's about 10 15 minutes ago so he's fresh off the cuffs and we're gonna get some immediate thoughts on how things went and uh, it was pretty impressive what he he did because he called his shot let's put it that way out the gate you can find him on twitter at draft cheat and all his work over at run pure sports pete how we doing man I'm good. Yeah, coming off a draft that I was really happy with with how it turned out. You and I were talking these last couple of days about possibly streaming it live, you know, maybe on a delay or maybe just uh, recording it live as I did the draft. But I chickened out this morning. I got cold feet. The funny part was, I so I DM'd you this morning before I went on a, a, a long run trying to clear my head before the draft today. And by the time I got back from the run, I had like, you know, my confidence was up. I went to Colorado Sun and I was like, why did I tell him I didn't want to do that? Now I want to do it again. But I had waffled like two or three times already. I'm like, all right, I just got to stick to, to this plan at this point. So good draft. Uh, it would have been fun to do it live, especially because kind of called my shot on the first few rounds and what I wanted and end up getting those guys. So it would have been fun to get that on air. But uh, overall, great draft and happy to be back potting with you. I don't know. Did we end up doing one last year? I, I feel like we did. I don't know. Did we last year with the weird season? I'm uh, not sure we did. Between like the 
the COVID season. And then I don't know, even last year was a little weird and into the, the CBA. My mm-hmm. podcasting game has been, uh, haven't been on as many as I would like just because there's just been so much uncertainty around baseball. It's just like, it's been hard for me to get super enthusiastic about it, you know, before they reach the new CBA and, and COVID stuff, but certainly ready to go and uh, happy with my draft tonight. Good, good. That's yeah, that's great to hear because, you know, drafts uh, can be fun. And I, I kept telling you, I'm like, if you don't want to do it live, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Like, I'm not going to force you to do that. It's a big deal. Big, big, big 15 team main event to, for those that keep track of that at home. So um, he called a shot and we're going to go round by round and kind of talk about it. But um, you had the 14th pick and we know pitching gets pushed up big time. Uh, there was five starting pitchers taken before you to Grom went 11 overall. But uh, you you got your guy at your first pick, Ozzy Albies. And what is it? I'm a huge Albies fan, so I get it. But what's your what's your love for Ozzy Albies? Yeah, I've always I've always been on him. Was one of my highest owned players last year. Um, I feel like he just gets a little bit brushed under the rug a little bit. I mean, he's a first round. You know, I put, took him in the first round, and what is his ADP in main events? It's like eighteen or nineteen, something like that. Um, he's just a monster. I mean, outside of the twenty, the the the, the shortened season when he didn't play very many games, um, like one fifty six, one sixty, one fifty eight. Last year he went 30-20. He's still 25, efficient on the base paths, like in a monster lineup. I really, really love the Braves lineup. We'll get to that in a second because one of my strategies choosing, I I had the KDS settings 12, 13, 14. I really wanted to start uh, uh, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, uh, two Braves. Listen, I, I get people that are risk averse and, and worried about Acuna coming back, but Man, I think they're being overly cautious, purposely overly cautious with him. I think he's going to be good. And, you know, you, you I know you play a little bit of DFS as well, which is kind of, you know, I played that even before I really got involved in season long. There's a big advantage uh, in correlating your lineups in DFS. Now, I don't think it's the same thing in, in fantasy or, to, you know, to the same degree, but I still think it matters. You look at last year. Teams that crushed had a lot of Blue Jays on their lineups. And, 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 and the Braves as well, right? They, they came through. But one thing when I was trying to figure out, you know, what are my first three, four, five picks be ideally? What pick do I want to pick from? Uh, you try to plan out if everything broke my way, who would I get in those top four picks? And I thought some of the best values were Albies kind of at the at that first round turn. Acuna, who, I mean, he's the number one overall player potentially, right? If he comes back and is, is obviously you got to find a replacement for two or three weeks, but I don't think that's a big deal. And I think he's going to be back and, and hidden. And obviously he, he's my second pick, which should be clear by now, probably. Um, and then I really liked Matt Olson, who I think is just going to smash in Atlanta. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. what a massive park upgrade going from that dump in, in Oakland with all the fall territory, no fans. And then you, you go to Atlanta, they just won a world series, a lot of pressure, but also another guy that's just, healthy the park could not fit him better that short right field porch in atlanta and i i just think this offense is, is gonna crush so uh i guess spoiler alert but yeah i followed up all these with acuna pick 17 and that was an interesting choice because i knew i wanted those two and it was a hard choice which to choose first right to, to mm-hmm. give yourself the best chance to get the other one on the way back and, and my thought was there's so many outfielders there that if you take Albies first, then one of, uh, I think, uh, Trout, um, 
Who are the other guys there? Robert Maybe. Betts. Um, yes. Yeah. So I feel like I could just get one of those guys if Acuna went at 15 or 16, but Albies is not re- wasn't really replaceable for me mm-hmm. in the, in that range. So I ended up going Albies at 14 and then uh, Acuna at 17. And that's a great point you make there. A couple things like you mentioned, I think it was Casey Chaw was like team. Let's just stack the Jays last year. And if we go back and look at um, like the Rasball Player Raider or whatever you want to use. I think there were like five or six Jays in the top ten last year. It was just it was crazy, and the Braves yeah. can easily do that in that division in that ballpark. I wrote an article on Olson going to Atlanta, and I was blown away. Like I, it was obvious, like Oco to Atlanta, but then you just like really look at the changes he made at the dish last year uh, and how it could be potentially like actually doable at first. Like just to the naked eye, I'm like, oh, there's no way he can keep that strikeout rate and all that stuff. But the changes he made actually made sense. I so, mean, he, he just drastically reduced his strikeout rate, uh-huh. which was backed by the you know the the chase rates out of the zone, everything. Right? It just yeah. looks like a massive change that he made. I would expect it to stick, honestly, yeah, this year. I I do expect he's it young. To stick. He's young. He made the adjustments. So absolutely. Like he's clearly got more raw power than than Freddie. I love Freddie Freeman too, but like I won't be at all surprised if if Olsen hits 45, 50 home runs, I think is possible. It's very um, possible. Yeah. So I, I just love that Braves offense. There'll be there'll be a couple more on the way uh, as we go through the draft. <laughs> and and I, and I love what you mentioned with the Albies thing because one thing I like to talk about there's so many different ways to draft. Everyone's got their philosophy, but it's like you mentioned because you look at Albies ADP is around 18, like you said. But if you miss on Albies, who's your next guy? Wit or something like that? That's a big difference from what who's you're not going to be build. there at pick yeah. 45 anyway. So yeah, exactly. So what you're trying to yeah. build is a big difference. So going with Albies over Acuna makes sense because there's no problem going to Lubov or Trout or Betts if you. Those guys to. are so so, so close yeah. between those guys. I didn't really have that stronger preference. I did want the correlation with the two, so I, Acuna was my the, the top option on the sense. board. But there's not that much of a difference between yeah. drafting Acuna and Bet. I mean, there could be in the end, but yeah. right now. Yeah, they're pretty similar picks, obviously. Yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, Trout fell to a, uh, 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 I won't say his name. Who took Tucker? He, he went three outfielders right out the gate, so that was pretty impressive. <laughs> By the way, that guy. Uh, yeah, we don't need to name him, maybe, but he. I've never seen someone like spam the con contact uh, administrator button. We had we we paused the draft like two or three times in the first three rounds because uh, he he just was adamant that he got auto drafted Trout. <laughs> and I like pick what was that pick like 19 or 20 yeah and uh and it was just and the you know the administrator is like no we can't he hit the contact administrator like five picks after trout after you got auto drafted trout it's like we can't scale back five picks in the in the second round of the main event but he just like wouldn't let it up so there was a delay with that and eventually I just typed in chat I'm like dude chill your start is Kyle Tucker and Mike Trout like it's yeah. You're, you know, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Not too bad. No. Uh, before before your next pick in round three, we saw five closers jump off the board. Um, obviously, when we keep going in your your picks here, you're not a closer. You're not a pitcher early guy for the most part. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on all this uh, closer runs that we've been seeing that just haven't changed? We thought maybe DCs, it made sense because – there's yeah. no fab period, but yeah. it has not changed one bit. Sure, there's an overall, so you you kind of want to lock in guys that are locked in, but that's still pretty aggressive. Five guys before your pick in round three. I certainly understand why they're going as high as they are. I mean, what is there, 10 to 12 closers that you feel both good about their role and their skill to start off the year? So I, I certainly understand why these guys are pushed up so high. 
But from my perspective, you limit your team's upside a little bit by taking closers that early, just because th- th- there's more likely it's, 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 you have a higher chance of, of finding a closer in fab or deeper in the draft uh, that is a number one or two or three closer, right? You're, you're pretty unlikely to find like a, you know, a top three round hitter off of waivers in the main events, just every player with reasonable playing time is on a roster and the, all the prospects are drafted, but uh, closers, I mean, their roles change all the time. And, and every year there's closers that emerge that aren't drafted in a main event that do become a top five closer from the point when they get the job till the end of the season. And if you spend so much draft capital on, you know, on a great closer or even two great closers, you sort of cut yourself off a little bit from the highest value fab picks out there. And you can also make the argument. I I see people making it. I do get it where it's like, Oh, I don't want to worry about that. But if you hit on one of those guys with fab dollars early and you, you know, someone else spent a second round pick, like I got Ronald Acuna and you have Liam Hendricks, but then later on I'm able to fab a, a top closer. And yes, I understand the argument that it's maybe unlikely but it's still more likely than finding a, a Ronald Acuna yeah. on Fab from a hitter perspective, right? At least it's 100%. possible. So that that's why. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the picks, but um, yeah, I, I'm happy with my relief core. That'll be a. You have to be willing to accept that challenge, you know, to yep. try to find those guys on the waiver wire. But it's just at least it's possible compared to trying to find a hitter. Of that caliber, especially in a fifteen-team league like this, yeah. you you had your game plan. You have to know, okay, this is where I'm going to have to go attack things on Fab if I can execute. Yep. And what you executed, you mentioned you had Matt Olson in round three, and then you wrapped it around with Bobby Witt Jr. with your uh, fourth round pick, second pick in round four, and that's your shot. You called when you're DMing me. Albie's Acuna Olson Witt was the start you wanted, and you know that's an amazing start. The odds of probably pulling that off in a fifteen-team league are slim to none, but uh, you did it. So what uh, Witt's been Coming up the board, looks like he's going to start. Potentially he could get third base as well, yeah. it looks like. So what is it with Witt that you like so much? I mean, everything. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'll be really, really surprised if he's not in the opening day lineup at third base. They're going to keep him on to see a shortstop. Uh, Nicky Lopez moving over to second base. Witt, Witt Merrifield will go to the outfield. And so that's one of the reasons that I, I, I like Bobby Witt is that he's going to get that third base eligibility, you know, assuming – I mean, if Mondesi went down, Witt would become the starting shortstop, so then he might not get it. But in all likelihood, he's going to get that. So that third base shortstop eligibility, which is really nice, because then you also get the middle infield corner, right? So you can kind of move him around. So so all those reasons. But the biggest thing is I just – it's hard for me not to believe in the, in the talent. Last year in 124 games, he had 33 home runs and 29 steals uh, in, you know, what is that, three-fourths of the season roughly – um, you know, raving reviews. The, the strikeouts have come down. He's been young for his age and uh, crushing balls this spring, right? You're not concerned about like the, the raw power, the exit velocity is clearly there for him. You just see those two spring home runs that are like, you know, blasted pitcher hangs a slider and like hangs his head and doesn't even look at where it goes because Witt has that much power. So, and we know the Royals are going to run, right? I mean, look at this team. Whit Merrifield led the league last year with 40 stolen bases. We know what Mondesi can do. Uh, like, they're going to run wild on the base paths. Bobby Witt just, to me, it's kind of a gut call. But he strikes me as a guy that 
if things go his way, he's going to play like 160 games, right? He's not coming yeah. out of the lineup as a, and he's going to crush. He's got the power. He's going to run. No question about it. He's going to run. Uh, and I just see a potential first round player that you get, get in the fourth round. So he, you know, I jumped ADP on him. Uh, I would have had to wait. Actually in this draft, I think potentially he maybe would have fallen to me because a lot of players did. Uh, his ADP coming in in the main events was right around 70. I, my next pick was 74. And he's and been climbing so up. playing with fire. Yeah. And I really, really wanted him. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's also, I DM'd you the, the first four picks that I wanted. I'm not going to pull off the plan uh, on, the, on the fourth pick when he's sitting there. So I was happy to get him, uh, even though uh, obviously well above ADP with Bobby Witt. Yeah, and it's it's fine to go go get them because, like you said, in reality, at the, when you're picking at the ends, you have to go get your guys. That's just how yeah. it works. Uh, pick seventy four, he may have fallen, but there's a good chance he doesn't. That's just the way the way it works. Like I'd, I'd have arguments to take him over a lot of guys. I'd take him over Francisco Lindor, who you did. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of guys like that. A couple other picks I wanted to bring up before we go back to your next pick. We saw Chris Bryant back at pick fifty six, so he's still uh, making that climb. Justin Verlander went at pick 57, yeah. so he's moving on up as people see that velocity uh, looking good. But the one I wanted to, to ask you, um, actually, that'll be after your next pick, so we'll, we'll go there. But uh, Verlander bump was pretty pretty uh, impressive to me because that's just been a, a, a guy on the move. But your your next pick in round five, we've seen Sal Perez go in round three, JTR go late round four. Um, so coming around round five, you went with Will Smith, the third catcher off the board. Are you usually a catcher first guy? And how do you compare Smith to Salvi and JTR? Yeah. So I, I, I sent you my kind of draft sheet where I was targeting players at each round. Um, guys I was hoping to get. And as we go through this, it's almost all guys that were on the list. Will Smith wasn't on that list. He did fall a few picks. That list was based, you know, on what I thought the value was based on ADP. Um, a couple of pitchers that I, that I would have chosen, here uh, weren't available. I do, I'm a fan of Will Smith. I think the DH in the National League is going to help him. He's obviously in the best lineup in the league with the Dodgers. Um, and, you know, just a young, just a good hitter. And part of the reason I, I went with him is I just, I don't love a lot of catchers, to be honest, right? There's just not very many guys that I wanted. There wasn't a guy kind of at the top of my list here that I was dying to get. So Will Smith was just kind of sitting there and sometimes – the value falls to him, right? Like the first four picks I had purposely planned out and then Will Smith, I needed to fill the catcher position. Don't like a ton of the guys late. It's kind of a, I had a relatively boring pick, but one that I'm happy with for sure. No, that's that's one philosophy I do quite a bit is I try to get at least one of the top guys. Sometimes I double, don't double tap. But like in the next couple of rounds, I'll make sure I get kind of two of the top 10 or 12 and just be like, okay, my catcher's position is locked in. We'll figure the rest out later. Um, but you definitely got Will Smith and I, I got no problem with that at yeah. all. Yeah, guy on the turn took Wander Franco and, and Joe Musgrove, who were both – those were the the three guys I was debating right there. Um, so he, he snapped both up. Are you a believer in Franco this year? Because I, I just haven't seen this power or the speed yet to make me feel confident. Yeah, I'm on the fence. I don't actually end up – haven't ended up with him very often. But, man, uh, I do get the argument for him where his number one overall prospect gets called up, hits well – He's another guy where, you know, assuming he doesn't get hurt, he's going to play like 160 games and just rack up plate appearances and counting stats. 
kind of like a, you know, you could see a Aussie Albies type season. I don't think he's going to run that much and maybe not have that much power, but the hit tool is just so elite that he's going to put up a good season. So I, I don't have a problem with the pick, but I just shoot for upside. Yeah. I try to almost every spot I get. Yeah. And this is where we go back to Atlanta with your six round pick. Your first pitcher off the board is Charlie Morton. And I'm a big fan of Charlie Morton. I'm glad you are too, because uh, people just look at him. He's kind of the boring old guy. And, you know, all he does is throw innings and get tons of strikeouts and get you good ratios. Like he's, he definitely deserves to be a, a fantasy ace and he goes much later than most fantasy aces. Yeah. It's kind of like I, I'm, I'm in on Charlie Morton or have been like the last, it seems like three, four, five years. I mean, what more do you want? He just does it every year. Uh, the, the the spring start he had, I think he's only had one, but there was some concern coming off the fractured leg, leg broke his leg uh, in the playoffs, right? Um, and then got a slow start to spring, but through three innings and struck out four guys, and I think three three clean innings, velocity was there. Uh, and you know, I, I, for my individual team, I get the added bonus of just being in on the Braves, right? Like if I'm right about this team's crushing Acuna, Albies, and Olson, Matt Olson, or I mean, uh, uh, why am I Charlie Morton's doing his thing? He could win, you know, 17, 18 games. Like it's, oh, yeah. it seems. I'm sure some people are listening, maybe kind of scoffing at the correlation thing, but I think it's a it's a real thing. So at this point. You know, being on the Braves, if I liked you anyway, it was kind of a, a tiebreaker for me. So that was kind of the case with with uh, with Charlie Morton here. And soon enough, we'll return to Atlanta. But yeah. um, we, we will go through some more picks here first. And we saw more closers flying off the board in round six. But uh, the one I wanted to ask you about, it's not as in front of ADP as I thought, but I've heard some interesting debates of late. Brian Reynolds, he could yeah. get traded. He could not. Good batting average. Should have some pop. Not really any steals. You want to pick 89. Are you in or out on a guy like Brian Reynolds this year? Again, another guy I don't have a ton of myself, but I do – I'm a believer in, in what he brings to the table, right? I think he's going to have a good season. So I, I totally get the pick. He, he's, you know, not on my list list, but certainly a guy that if, if he falls, happy to scoop up the value past ADP. Um yeah, but you worry about that lineup yeah. in the park and just the upside, but I do think he's going to have a strong year. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised because like four picks later, J.D. Martinez went, and I think I'd rather take my chances with J.D., but uh, maybe I'm... I was looking at those two. That, that was going to be a tough call for me. I have them ranked right next to each other. I think I would go... I would have gone with Reynolds, just a younger player. Feels a mm-hmm. little bit safer to me, but yeah, both guys I think are decent picks here. <clears throat> All right, round seven, you got your SP2 before you say, well, you got Blake Snell as your SP2. Yosemite Grandal went right before him. Not sure you go another catcher already, yeah. but uh, Blake Snell, what's your thoughts there? Because we saw the second half, the strikeouts were outstanding. Yeah, hard to know what to expect from him for sure. The second half breakout, or not breakout, but uh, bounce back, I guess, probably more more accurate. Um, I mean, he's all over the place. I've never been a huge Blake Snell guy, but – what is he three years removed from winning a, a Cy uh, Young award? Uh, and he's looks good this spring. He's talking about bringing back the change up more. And then uh, this is one where I, I didn't personally have like a, a super strong feeling about Snell. I don't, I think this might be the first share of him that I have, but you know, I do trust and listen to other smart people around the industry. And a lot of people are very in on Blake Snell. This was, I think 10 or 12 picks past his main event ADP. 
So sometimes you just say, yeah, you know, again, a, a situation where it seems like I'm scooping up value, even though not a guy that I'm, you know, flag planting on or anything like that. But a uh, lot, a lot of smart people are on him. You can see why with the with the second half numbers and the the pedigree that he has. I mean, he was a former Cy Young winner not too long ago. So I was happy to get him there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up disappointing, but I think the upside is also very, very high for him. Then I pick 115 right after your Blake Snow pick with an ADP of 103. So someone quote unquote got value. Drafted Fernando Tatis Jr. This is a guy that I've pretty much crossed off now. Yeah. Um, were you tempted at all to grab him there? Not there. I, I would have taken him if he fell maybe to the next, uh, you know, I mean, that's another 30 picks. But uh, no, I wasn't going to take him there. I will say uh, Brill, uh, that's his name there, pick. Team 15. He did snipe me a couple times later on in the draft. So he was uh, probably the guy that kind of got me the most. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, especially at this point for me where I kind of got all the guys that I wanted, mm-hmm. you're not going to throw, this is my perspective, at least I don't want to throw like a immediate monkey wrench into the team that I already love so much for no reason. Right. To, to spend a, like if, if things hadn't gone my way and you're kind of worried about your upside or something like that, then maybe, but like, I'm already gambling a little bit on Acuna's health, on Witt producing as a rookie, Blake Snell, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it was easy to pass on Tatis for me at this point. All right, kicking off round eight, Mark Melanson, another closer off the board. Then you went with your first closer in Scott Barlow. Were you in tr- were you were you wanting Melanson or was Barlow yeah. your target right here the whole yeah. time? Yeah, I actually had Barlow ahead of the closers that go around this pick 100. Uh, so that's Trinan. Taylor Rogers. Trying to win a couple rounds earlier today. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, I thought he up. I thought I might actually ended up getting him uh at like pick one thirty, you know, based on the news. But mm-hmm. again, uh yeah, a little bit of a soft draft, I thought. But anyway, Trinan goes early, Taylor Rogers goes earlier than this. I think Barlow, I mean, I'll be surprised if he's not trotting out there for the first, you know, save opportunity for the Royals, honestly uh pitched really well last year they didn't bring anybody in he finished with the job he's healthy this spring good pitcher uh what you know grades out really well by by the metrics that i look at so i was happy to get him there Uh, i think that's maybe 10 picks above adp but i needed a closer he was the last of the tier for me he's actually kind of the front of that tier but the last member of that tier left so that was a, a relatively easy pick to uh the, the only thing i was debating there at that near turn was to go with barlow first or snell first i wasn't quite sure but i was happy to end up getting both and things just keep falling your way then that's perfect yeah. um reese hoskins went later in round eight and he's a big target of mine if i don't get an early first baseman so i'm a fan of that pick for sure uh, edward rodriguez wrapped up round eight and we headed into round nine and you see some of the first basements that usually go around this time in Bell and Crone. We had Fran Reyes off the board, and we head back to your pick in another Atlanta Brave, and I love Dansby Swanson. Um, what's your thoughts on Dansby Swanson? Because the only thing that you see everywhere now is he's batting low in the lineup. That's going to hurt him. Nah, don't get me started on the, the lineup. <laughs> and, he went, and, and Med Rosario went before him, which shocks me. I mean, what Swanson, what did he do last year? He had like 27 oh, home you, you runs. You don't have to convince me, trust me. And nine steals and like is in this monster lineup, plays every day, right? Because he's a fantastic mm-hmm. defensive shortstop. He's still young. 
And I get he's in the, you know, I, I pay attention. I look at the spring training lineups every day. I get he's hitting eighth or ninth a lot of days. He also let off uh, today, I believe. Um, and, I mean, we've seen it for years with, with Swanson. He's all over the place in the lineup. Uh, I do think that the lineup, the lineup position stuff, it's important. Of course, it's important what position you hit in the lineup. But where you're hitting at to begin the year, uh, it can just move so quickly. It can it just one injury and it just completely goes, you know, can switch. If you're producing, you're going to likely move up the lineup. And then also the addition of the NLDH, where there's not a, hitting eighth in the in the NL. If I thought a player was going to hit eighth, even a catcher, I wouldn't want to take him, right? You don't want to hit in front of the pitcher. It's different now, right? Especially for a Braves lineup whose worst hitters are Dansby Swanson and Travis Darno, who's a pretty good hitting catcher. So even if he's down there, it's it's kind of like the, the loss of plate appearances from hitting that low in the lineup. For a player like him are kind of mitigated because he plays every single day he's a at, in a good lineup. So I was happy to get him, another guy that I did get below uh, their main event ADP. Obviously, you know, happy to add a, a fourth fourth Braves hitter to the uh, to the squad. So I was yeah. happy with that picture. Yeah, sure. quite the wraparound stack going right now. Yeah, with, yeah. With, with your squad. <laughs> so uh, you got that going for you. And then we head yeah. around round 10 where it gets real fun now. At 10.2, second pick in round 10, you grabbed your third starting pitcher off the board in Clayton Kershaw, yeah. who, we, who we know is banged up. He's looked good this spring. You know, it's like the old theory, can I get 140 innings out of him? I'll be happy. So what do you think about Kershaw? Yeah, this is one of my problems, not to go on a rant, but when you're, you're trying to look at ranked players based on projections, um, listen, if Kershaw was, like, hurt now, right, and they're saying, oh, he's going to be ready by May, no chance I take him here. But he's going to be in the rotation to start the year, right? And so – I'll worry about August and September. Like a lot's going to happen in a baseball season in the next four or five months. Um, that give me give me healthy Kershaw right now, ready to go, can go right in my rotation. And listen, like he's not the same pitcher he used to be, but he is damn effective still when he's when he's in the rotation, when he's healthy. He's going to be to start the year, and you can expect good stuff out of him, right? Like he's going to be good to start the year. He's going to be a guy you're happy to have in your lineup. Most likely. Um, I, do I expect him to throw even 150 innings? No, I think there's a decent chance I'll drop him at some point in the year. If he, if he goes down, but I'm happy to have him to, to start the year. And, and who knows, who knows, who knows how long he can last. Um, this seems like a safe pick with, some upside of health somehow just really breaks his way. You never know. Yeah, he was a big a big part of some of my teams last year, and I ended up dropping him too, and that's fine. But uh, yep. he gets the job done until you get there. And pitching you can always find on the, on the waiver wire more mm-hmm. often than not as the season goes on. Yep. Uh, later this round, Andrew Kittredge went at pick 143. Yep. He had an ADP of 175. So the Pete Fairbanks news is uh, creating some some rise in that ADP. Yeah, uh, Max Muncy was your pick as was pick one fifty, which is a an interesting pick because you either all in or all out on that injury with Max Muncy. But uh, we come back to round eleven now, and this is where the fun begins. <laughs> um, pick one sixty four. This gentleman had an ADP entering tonight of two forty two. So you jumped him about eighty spots, and I'm not disagreeing with the jump with what we've seen recently, but you went with Julio Rodriguez as your second outfielder. Yeah. He was a big, a big target for me. Uh, man, 
if you just look at what he produced in the minor league, you see the home run he hit on Wednesday. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> I tweeted the other day. I've been tweeting about Julio Rodriguez actually for for a month now that I think he's going to start up on the team. I've been drafting him everywhere. Uh, he's been obviously climbing up draft boards. Now it's. I mean, I think he's obviously a big favorite right now. I think the break camp with the with the Mariners from everything we know, um, massive numbers at every level that he's gone to number one or number two prospect next to wit, depending on where you look, Mariners are going to w- want to win. This guy is just electric, right? Massive power speed. I think he's going to be their opening day center fielder. Um, and another guy where, I mean, call me crazy if you want, but I think the upside for him is 30, 30, right? Yep. Clear. Well, you're going for the overall. So this is an yeah. overall pick. Like this is totally a hundred percent an overall pick. Yeah. This is a twenty four hundred dollar outfielder in DFS going. Okay, we're trying to break the bank here. I I a hundred percent understand what you're doing here. But I, I, but, I, but I think he's going to be a five K outfielder. Well, he will be eventually. Yeah, but this is yeah. the guy. That, like I, I haven't even. I don't even know if DK pricing's out. It's got to be. But I guarantee you, he's like too cheap on on day one. But by like week two, when they yeah. figure their stuff out, he'll be like five K. Yeah, I mean, I just I think he's going to crush. Um... This is another one. It's like, oh, he's batting seventh in the lineup every day. Well, yeah, he's 21 years old and exactly. he's not proven. I mean, how long is he going to bat in seventh if he's? I mean, he was the best hitter at at both Double A AA and Triple A when he when he got moved up. He's got speed. Uh, I just listen, he'll, he'll quickly move up that order, like you said. If he, he, could, he could, he could absolutely fall fat on his face and be back in the minors. You know, it could be a Jared Kalanick, same team situation. But I think Rodriguez is another level above the the prospect that a Jared Kalanick was. Um, and uh, I expect, I expect big things. We'll see. And we head back to Atlanta with your round 12 pick. Uh, well, one brave went before that Marcelo Zuna went to, oh, to yeah. Brill. Um, and then you went with Eddie Rosario. Were you looking at Ozuna or did you want Rosario? Yeah, the whole time? They were both on the list. I think I would have gone Ozuna over Rosario, but it was, was going to be a close call. I like what I saw from Rosario in Atlanta. I, I'm a longtime Twins Twins fan. Used to have a twin season ticket, so I watched a lot of Eddie Rosario. He does strike me as someone who just performs better, kind of like in a on a good team, like in a pennant race with a crowd behind him. He, remember last year he started in Cleveland and just wasn't yeah. doing much for kind of a dead team. He goes to Atlanta. They let him run. He, he ends up with a bunch of steals. He's been hitting leadoff against righties. I think he's going to lead off Real with this nice. team at least to start the year against against right-handed uh, right-handed pitchers. And then another thing I like about Rosario, both Rosario and kind of the the Atlanta themed lineup that I have, they don't have a lot behind the starters. Like right now, obviously Acuna's hopefully coming back in a couple of weeks, but like Alex Dickerson is listed as their DH. Like I think this, and you know I, I'm a Braves fan as well. Um, and they just run out their guys every, every day. You know what I mean? It's like, even like guys like, like Austin Riley, Swanson, all these, now it's going to be Matt Olson instead of Freeman, Rosario, even Adam Duvall, I think is going to be just out there every single day in center field. I don't think, I don't think Rosario is going to get platooned. Um, some power, speed, batting average, and obviously fits my kind of lineup field well. So I was I was happy to get him there. Yeah, no, I, I like it quite a bit, especially the part you mentioned that he runs, which is uh, 
which is a, a big part of these later outfield options you're going to grab there. Which you already have plenty of steals, but uh, it's always I always, need more, I always need more steals, Bubba. Always do. No, you can never have enough. That is true. Like because after you took Eddie, like Avisel Garcia is another guy that'll get you some steals. Robbie Grossman, the 2020 last year, he'll get you some steals. But uh, Eddie Rosario on that team to complete your stack is a, is a very intriguing way to go about things. Uh, heading to round 13. Some of the usual suspects go off the board. Joe Adele went to uh, pick 11 in round 13. I'm a, I'm a big Adele fan this year. But you went with the guy that I've been drafting in a lot of places. Uh, Nelson Cruz, with your 13th round pick, was he a target of yours going into this, or is this kind of a guy that fell in your lap? I think a little bit of both. Um, I, You know, I take a, a lot. I'm big on the rookie hitters this year, and so there's some risk there. So filling up your utility spot – for me, it was a little bit something I didn't love to do, but this is Cruz well past his ADP main event ADP at this point. Uh, he remember he got traded from the Twins to the Rays last year, and then didn't he wasn't horrible, but wasn't you know quote unquote Nelson Cruz down the stretch. We've seen him with other hitters. I think that's just a really really tough place to hit uh, mm-hmm. in in Tampa, and I kind of give him a little bit of a pass for that. I know he's you know ancient by baseball players terms, but when he was with the twins, he was still the pretty much the same guy. And I kind of like that nationals lineup. Listen, hitting behind Juan Soto, who's just constantly on base, Josh Bell can hit. Uh, and then, uh, you know, even like Kiebert Ruiz and, and Lane Thomas, I think they can do some damage there. Uh, but hitting behind Juan Soto doesn't get much better than that. Uh, obviously national league DH now. So even when there's like the interleague stuff and he was, on the American League team, you'd have to sit out those games. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if if Cruz just is Nelson Cruz again and hits thirty five to forty home runs with a two seventy average and tons of RBIs hitting behind Juan Soto. So, what is this like? Pick one eighty or one ninety or something. Yeah, his, 80, his ADP was like one sixty six. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I, it was hard for me to pass on him here, even though obviously my team is more weighted to hitting still at this point. But I just couldn't just a huge bat you know another one i just i just had to take it yeah there's a lot to be said about that tampa bay thing that you mentioned because when you dig in on his numbers between minnesota and tampa last year the power was still kind of there but the uh, strikeout rate was tremendously different in tampa bay and that's something that's not nelson cruz-esque and willie adamas has mentioned the batter's eye as well as an issue and we saw how well that changed when he left town so that is quite intriguing right before nelson cruz with jonathan vr who's climbing up boards everywhere so that's something for people to monitor if you are in into VR, be ready to draft VR earlier. Yeah. Um, Jared Clinic went right after Cruz. He went Votto. And then your next pick in round 14 was Matt Chapman, another guy whose ADP was around 166 heading into this draft. He fell quite a bit. So that's not a bad third base option in round 14. And these are guys that really shouldn't be falling past their ADPs, no, right? Not like, at all. These are like, big that, bats. That was a Cruz like, locked into like the cleanup spot like yeah. every day playing time. And I mean, maybe not the cleanup spot for Matt Chapman, but like he's in, instantly in the best or, you know, best or second best lineup in baseball, I think, in Toronto, you know, depending on where you rank the Dodgers. He had that hip surgery, right? I think after the 2020 season and then last year played a lot, but the strikeout rate was way up, uh, just kind of struggled in general. I mean, he said himself, he just wasn't feeling 100%, um, but still you know, pretty young. And then another player that's just, you move from that this horrible ballpark in Oakland, but, you know, bad lineup, bad place to hit to 
Toronto to the AL East. And I don't know, it's not hard for me to envision Matt Chapman with the, just a massive bounce back season where, where he hits 35, 40 bombs. Uh, I didn't have a third baseman at this point. I do have Bobby Witt who should get that eligibility, but I did need someone to hold it over at least for the, you know, first 20 games or so. Uh, so yeah, I love getting Matt Chapman here. Yeah. That's a great value. Anytime you can get these guys falling I, into your laps, it's pretty solid. I did. I did have to choose between Matt Chapman and Josh Donaldson, I, who I also really like. I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. This yeah. Year. That was a tough call. Uh, I, you might have went with the right guy because Josh Donaldson might be getting his, his his butt kicked here pretty soon from the reports today. He was throwing speakers in the locker room and left because he had yeah. like the attitude. Work, so that's not a good start to things. But uh, yeah, he's just he's he's much much older. I felt yep. I felt better about Chapman putting together a full season than Donaldson. Yeah, Donaldson went later in round fourteen, so that that makes sense. Um, yeah. And in around fifteen, Lazardo went first off in fifteen. Yeah. So and Grichik. At the turn there, those are two guys that are getting bumped up quite a bit with their mm-hmm. Richie and Colorado Lazardo with this amazing um, spring he's having. And as you go farther back into round 15, I did think it was interesting that team uh, 12 here in round 14 took Rowan Wick, who it sounds like is not going to be the closer now. And then they took in round 15 Robert Suarez, who maybe the closer in San Diego. So those are two spec closers pretty early in drafts in my mind. So that was Interesting, interesting way to build. He also that's has Shane the, uh, Bain, that's the guy. Who could, that's the guy who can stop spamming the contact. Uh, yeah, he, he took Shane Baz and Kopech. He's yeah. got a lot of interesting yeah. stuff going on there. But uh, with your next pick in round fifteen here, uh, Alex Kirilov, first base outfield eligible, brings some nice flexibility to your roster. He had the wrist injuries, but the when he hits the ball, it's ridiculous. The hard contact skills, the power skills. He's supposed to be pretty healthy right now, and you just got to yeah. roll with that. He's young. I love Kirilov this year, and it seems like this could be a nice value if uh, things pan out properly. I think so. Yeah, healthy now. Uh, if you look at his numbers from last year, they're not bad, but he he started off really, really hot, was getting super unlucky just with the, the you know line drives all over the place, getting, getting caught. Uh, and then he hurt his wrist and played through it. Like half his stats are playing through a wrist injury, which he has had in the past. It's a concern with Kirilov, no question about it. Um, but like, if you look at the the numbers overall, they're really influenced by playing through an injury very, very clearly. We've seen this with like, it's a number of players every year where they, their stats fall off, but for a reason, right? I mean, I think Chapman is a good example of that. We've seen it with Jose Altuve where he's playing through something, but then kind of bounces back. I think this could be that type of situation for Kirilov. Um, still very young, all the skill in the world, sprays the ball to all fields, good contact skills, great power. And uh, I did need another kind of everyday outfielder at this point because, listen, we're still not 100% sure on Julio Rodriguez, and I can't ever drop him, right? If you draft yeah, Julio you're never dropping him now. can't drop yeah. him. We still don't know for sure when Ronald Acuna will be back. Um, so I did have to, you know, I knew I had to probably take seven outfield eligible players on my final roster. Kirilov's going to be in that lineup every day to start the year. And you can also play first base. That first base outfield is a, a unique eligibility that not many players have. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was happy to get him here. And with your, your round 17 pick, another guy that dropped almost 30 picks in ADP, Alex Cobb, who I think makes a really solid SP4 for you going to San Francisco now. Yeah. He's had the improvements in Anaheim last year and, we saw what that team can do with a guy with a split finger fastball. So it's got to be a lot to like with Cobb going into that ballpark on that rotation. 
I mean, listen, if you can pitch well for the Angels, you can be an ace on the Giants, right? I think. Definitely. <laughs> yep. There's not much more to say beyond that. I mean, he's you look good last year, and if the Giants want you, uh, then I want you on my uh, my fantasy roster as a pitcher. So, No doubt about it. As we wrap back to 17 and 18, because I don't need to name all these guys that are going off at your usual suspects, Craig Kimbrell did go in round 17, so people are still believing in that uh, that train. But uh, you said you need more outfielders, and you started to – approach that subject again. Lane Thomas, who you mentioned earlier, should be hitting towards the top of that, uh, potentially towards the top of that Washington lineup and uh, should play pretty much every day. So you got him in round 17. Yeah, I think he's going to be out there every day for for Washington. If you've been following uh, spring training lineups, he's pretty much hitting sixth uh, every time he's in there. Again, behind some some pretty strong hitters in front of him. Uh, good defensively, some power, some speed. Again, not the most exciting pick in the world, but I needed someone that I was pretty sure was just going to be out there playing every day uh, and, and, you know, getting a reasonable chance at producing. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I like him anyway, but you know, the fact that I just feel so good about his playing time early on was kind of what, uh, what led me in that direction here. Then you wrapped it around with another youngster, another outfielder, but a, a guy we expect to start the year yep. with the Tigers, but still, like you said with Julio, we shall see, but Riley Green, another just stud prospect. Uh, you went and grabbed him in round eighteen, and this could like you could have one really really fun team if all things pan out properly. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the goal. I mean another yeah. high end prospect with power with speed. I mean I think he's going to break camp. Uh, we're running out of days here, Bubba, for them to send these guys down. You know, yeah, because we've seen other teams already send like you know the, the Twins that sent uh, Larnack down the other day, so it's it's happening. The Royals sent Prado and Melendez down, who, are, yep. who had a chance to make it. So it's like the guys that are left at this point. I mean, it's a, it's in the next day or two, you know. And and I I think it seems like the Tigers are going to keep them up. I mean, you saw the I bet you saw the quotes from the Tigers general manager. It's like mm-hmm. we want these guys to make the roster, which I, I saw. You see what Miggy said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think they'll be up and uh, great talent, no question about it. Producing in the spring. Everyday center field job, it looks like to me for Riley Green. So we'll see. But I mean, it seems like a, a great shot to take a, a shot on him here. Yeah. Don't blame you one bit on that one. So we head into round 19 and 20 now. And you grab another starting pitcher in Josiah Gray, who when we saw him go over Washington last year, strikeouts were outstanding. Home yeah. runs were an issue, but he's young. We'll hope that continues to develop. But the one thing I love to see besides the strikeouts is even for a young pitcher, they just let him throw, they let him get his innings. And that is tremendous to me. So you went and grabbed Gray in round 19. What's your expectations on him? Yeah. Uh, again, the, the strikeout stuff is there. The swing and miss is there. I like his pitch mix. I like his minor league results. Uh, and he, along with Keeper Ruiz, was a big return for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. The Nationals are kind of a little bit of an old school organization, right? And I think, listen, he's in the rotation. And I think they'll let him go six plus innings if he's pitching well. I don't think they're really going to baby him. Uh, I like the skills, um, you know, remains to be seen uh, how he performs. Obviously the, the surface stats last year weren't great, but he'll get every chance to get the job done. And I think there's, there's some upside there as well. Right after Josiah Gray was Hunter Green, who does announced to be the fifth starter for the Reds. Were you interested in Hunter yeah. Green? Was that a snipe? Yes, that was, that was uh, absolutely a snipe. Uh, one a that, <laughs> yep. Yep. Hunter Green would have been on my roster on my next pick. And, uh, which made me obviously regret going 
Josiah over Hunter Green. But this is, I mean, that's like 160 picks above ADP or something crazy yep. like that for for Hunter Green. So I thought I could maybe get away with it. Um, but like I said, that guy on the uh, the 15-16 turn got me a couple times. This was one of them. Yeah, he went. He was ADP was 374 coming into this one. So definitely a, a massive rise in ADP. But you ended up with Devin Williams. You yeah. only have Scott Barlow so far as your closer. Williams obviously isn't the closer, but could be the closer. At worst, gets you solid innings. What was your thought process with Williams? Yeah, he was, uh, according to my metrics, like the most effective reliever in 2020. Uh, remember last year, I was a proponent of drafting him kind of early, just kind of for that reason, just because he's just so good. But he he was kind of hurt coming into to the start of the year last year, uh, and he got up to a slow start. But if you look at his numbers – down the you know last three four months he was just an absolute monster i think you know if i had to pick one reliever to get three outs he, he would probably be the guy um and i mean what he's a josh hater injury uh, or trade away from being an I mean, elite closer from being a a second round pick i mean yeah yep. if you if he had the job which you will if something happens to hater you would be a second round pick at worst, a third round pick with all his skills, great team to pitch for. And I don't like him as much in 12 team leagues because of the waiver wire, there's more, there's more pitchers to choose from. But in a 15 teamer, I have no problem running Devin Williams out there for a week if I can't find a starter that I'm comfortable Thank with. You. He's going to get, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm sure he had like six wins and eight saves or something, you know, just because he's going to pitch in all high leverage situations. Anytime Hader needs a break. Uh, he'll he'll be the guy in for the save. He's going to be super effective. Keep those ratios intact. So again, I would have taken Hunter Green here, um, but I, I, Devin Williams is just a glue guy to have, especially for me who went kind of a lot of um, early, you know, hitting heavy. To be able to just plug him in there while I try to figure out maybe the the back end of my staff. And that's a great point in a fifteen team league because he can get you the ratios, the strikeouts, and sneak out some wins possibly in saves, which is. Yeah. Great because the player pool is so much deeper there. You won't always have, you know, five starters you want to roll out there or something. Yeah. So that that is a good good use. If they have a good seven-game week coming up, he, he can fit that mold. Right after Williams, though, David Bednar closing for Pittsburgh, at least part-time. You have Solcer and, well, Steckenrider, not really. But you saw back-to-back closers go off the board. Were they on the radar for you, or is it always Williams over those guys? It's Williams over those guys for me. I, I think most, you know, many uh, fantasy drafters would, would disagree. People like the saves. Man, I don't know if I want half of the role in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. 12, uh, 12 saves maybe? Yeah. And for, a, I mean, Bedner's fine, but he's a far inferior uh, pitcher to, to Williams. And the bigger thing to me is just, we're, you know, we're getting to the range where a lot of these guys won't end up on your roster at, at yeah. rounds 20 and beyond. Uh, Williams will be awesome for me while he's on my team. And if something better comes along, great. But you also have the lottery ticket, like I said, with Williams, of him becoming a top asset and all of one of the top assets in fantasy baseball, frankly, if, if Hader goes down. So I prefer the. I guess the upside, I, I think Williams has a much better shot to be a top 50 player than, than Bednar does. He'll need some things to break his way, but but so would Bednar. So, um, yeah, I, I get both sides of that one, but I'll take the the far superior skills and hope the role breaks his way. 
Yeah, we saw actually Matt Brash going around 18 on their young arm that people are talking about quite a bit. We saw Reed Detmers. He was on my list. I I searched for him in like round 24. I didn't notice that he went, and I was like, yeah, oh. I just so noticed it now, too. I was like, whoa, he, yeah. he jumped up quite a bit. I do like him, though. Uh, Reed Detmers went in round 21. If he snuck back to you, him, Mitch Keller, any of those kind of big, flashy spring arms, are those attracted you at all? Yes. Uh, I think – so I ended up taking Josh Harrison, but I think I would have taken – Keller, Carrasco, Detmers, all three of those guys that went in that round before I picked uh, over Harrison. But when it got to me, so, so Harrison, it looks Harrison like. Harrison fits your roster perfectly. Second yeah. base, third base, outfield, he's going to start every day. That's exactly exactly what yeah. I needed at this point. We talked about my uncertainty at outfield. I think it will work out, but you can't be sure. And I spent so much draft capital on those rookies that I'll have to keep them and try to patch it together. As much, if, if I can, you know, it's possible things could go totally haywire and you would have to drop a Riley Green. But Harrison can can fill in all over, right? Second, mm-hmm. third, outfield, like you mentioned. Um, decent chance he starts in my lineup at outfield. I think he's going to play every day for the White Sox. They announced a couple days ago he's going to be the starting second baseman. And uh, is Tony LaRusso still managing there? I think he is, right? When, he's, when he wakes up with a bus and a point oh eight, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean <laughs> – to me, like Josh Harrison, just like a, a gamer type dude, right? He seems like exactly I love the Josh type. Josh Harrison. Of, it seems exactly the type of guy. Like Tony Larusa is like he ain't coming to the lineup. That's my second baseman, you know. Yep. So yeah, yeah, no, he's he's phenomenal there. And you know, Montana's had some injury issues in the past, and yeah. Harrison will find his way in that lineup. I'm not I too mean, worried R- about R- that. Luis Robert and Eloy have both been hurt, and Harrison yep. can play in the outfield. I think he's going to be in the lineup almost every day. All right, you have uh, Will Smith already on your team. There's been a ton of catchers taken off the board. So coming around round 22, you went with Mike Zunino. We saw the power through the roof last year. We know the concerns with the batting average, but at this point, it's like Danny Jansen, Yadi Molina, yeah. James McCann. Your your options are getting limited. So was uh, was Zunino a target of yours, or was it more like, hey, I got to get someone quicker. It's going to get ugly. It wasn't a target. Um but this is like 30 or 40 picks, I think, past ADP, something like that. I needed a second catcher. I mean, what what he had like 35 home runs last year. I, I don't have like a, this is my guy that I that I think this is my first share of him. Um, I don't really have that much more to add other than he's an everyday, pretty close to everyday catcher, fantastic defensively, and uh, has has big power. So um, yeah. Just a, kind of a boring pick, but should get the job done. You needed it to fill out your roster, so that's yep. the way it goes. Yep. Um, Daniel Hudson fell to the middle of round 22, which kind of surprises me with the recent news and some of the other relievers we saw taken by certain people. Kyle Hendricks, how the mighty have fallen at the end of round 22. That's uh, quite a shocker there. But we come back through round 23, and you went young again with Nick Lodello, um, who is should be slotting that rotation right around uh, green. What's your thoughts on that Ladello pick? Yeah, the Reds announced so they have uh, Castillo and uh, Minor, Minor, yeah, on the IL to start the year. They they said Santillan was going to be a reliever, yeah. and they don't really have anyone else to no, fill. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly. And they've been saying that these guys are ready, Ladello and Green. They announced Green in the rotation. Today, uh, we're recording mm-hmm. this uh, late on on uh, on Wednesday night. So Green is going to start that Sunday. They got a, a, a four game week Thursday through Sunday, uh, and then they didn't announce it. But I expect Lodolo to get the start on that Monday. 
be their fifth starter. Uh, man, if you look at this guy's minor league stats, pounds of strike zone, a huge amount of strikeouts. And I don't know if you've seen him pitch in, in spring training, Bubba. He looks nasty from the mm-hmm. left side. Like He's got a lot of Chris Sale in him. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. who, who I – Lengthy, lefty, that kind of comes from an angle. Big, tall, lefty. Randy I mean, Johnson, Chris Sale, got a lot of that. I mean, I, I look at – like I'm, I, I draft mostly by, by, by the numbers and his, his minor league numbers. He's been on my radar all draft season. And then to see what he's doing in the spring – he just looks absolutely filthy. His pitches look amazing. Manager's talking him up. He's, uh, I've read some, I heard some interviews with him. He says he's ready to go, hopes to get the starting role. I think he will. Uh, he's another guy I expect to have success right out of the gate, honestly. Yeah, I don't hate it. And if you know, if it doesn't pan out, it's round 23. So what's the big deal? I went, I went uh, a different direction on my next pitcher pick. Then. Yeah, and this makes sense, though. For your roster construction around 24, you win Zach Granke. Boring veteran. What he's going to do is eat innings up for you. Hopefully doesn't crush your ratios, but he's going to be out there every fifth day, which is what you might need with some of these other young arms you have going on. So, and he's in a bad division, so I don't mind the Granky pick. Where was your thought process there? Yeah, I mean, you know, one one bad year last year where he wasn't even that bad. Of course, he could just fall off the planet at any point. But I don't know. Back to Kansas City, I kind of like that. It's a big park to pitch in. Uh, the offenses in the division, he gets some some cake kickish matchups with with uh, the Guardians and the Tigers. Uh, part of this pick, honestly, was just that he's going to be in the opening day rotation. He's going to start opening day against the Guardians. Like he's, it's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I kind of expect him to to go six innings and give up a couple runs and maybe get a win and give give me off to a good start. We'll see how long he lasts on the roster. Could be one start, right? I mean, yep. I, I could see potentially dropping him that very Sunday. But uh, I think for that, especially that opening week, I'll be happy to have him in the lineup. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there, obviously, you know, uh, on his last legs to some degree, but would you be shocked if he delivers an ERA kind of like a Wainwright season from last year, right? Where he just goes all year and, you know, kind of pulls, uh, pulls, pulls it out of his ass and gives you usable stats. It wouldn't shock me at all. So no, yeah, that's another little, yeah, that's where I am on him. I think he's like around a four ish ERA, which ain't going to crush you at this pick of the draft. And he's going to get you six plus innings in almost every start unless he just gets shelled, which is what it is. And he's going to probably make 30 starts. So it's not not bad at all, especially in a 15-team. Like 12-team probably wouldn't do it. 15 makes tons of sense. I totally yeah. get it. Um, in rounds 20, 25 and 26 here, you, I'm not going to name off everything because we're at the end of the draft where it's yeah. just get, go get your stuff. But uh, rounds 25 and 26, you went with a couple late targets that I like. And Edward Cabrera for the Marlins and Tucker Davidson for Atlanta. Two more pitchers, young arms. They might not be there to start the year. They might not be the whole year, but they're going to have their chances, and they might start the year with them. Who knows? What's your thoughts on Cabrera and Davidson? Yeah, two guys that I do think are going to start the year in the rotation. Braves have that four and five spot still open. Davidson pitching well this spring, pitched pretty well down the stretch last year. I do think he's a pretty good bet to end up in that Braves starting five. Uh, I like the skills to some degree, so – uh, again, I'm not. I don't think Davidson really has the uh, ability to become like an ace level pitcher, but I think he's going to be usable to start the year, um, and I, I think I'll be uh, happy to have him. Cabrera, I think, does have some real potential upside. Added a new sinker this year. If you look at his pitch mix from last year, I mean, he's throwing 
you know, 97, 98 with a good breaking ball has had just an electric arm. Uh, he, he honestly reminds me a lot of Sandy Alcantara where pump and gas needs to kind of figure it out. The strikeouts haven't have kind of maybe lagged behind the actual stuff, but I, again, Sixto Sanchez down to start the year. I think mm-hmm. they're going to need uh, Cabrera. He looked good in his, his spring outing, his latest spring outing. So again, another guy that could easily end up being dropped, but I do think is, is worth a flyer early on. Yeah, I'm with you on Cabrera, especially. I think there's a lot yeah. to like there before he got called up last year, big time prospect destroying the minor leagues, just destroying it. And as one of those deals, he came up, had some control issues, long ball issues from time to time, and it never really panned we, we out. You see that with young talented yeah. pitchers like all Corbin Burns, even just a couple yeah. years ago. They come up and they just get rocked. All uh, those all those Royals pitchers, even Logan Gilbert's first few starts weren't great. Yeah, yeah. And then they, you can turn it around quickly as a pitcher, though. Yep, you get the right tutelage and uh, stay yeah. close to Sandy, and he might be okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, around 27 and 28, another uh, a couple youngsters here to Stephen Kwan of Cleveland and uh, MJ Melendez of Kansas City. Uh, Kwan actually might start with the club this year. I think so. There, there's, there's some hype there. Melendez, like you said, got sent down, but they sent him down and they're working him at third base in the outfield, which tells you they want him up as soon as possible. They just can't move Salvi out of the way. Yeah, so Stephen Kwan, uh, my first share of him, uh, but it looks like he's going to win a starting role for the Guardians. Some speed, really good contact skills. Apparently, he reworked his swing. I think I might have just found that out tonight, to be honest. But it's just <laughs> just another outfielder that I think is going to be in the uh, in the starting lineup opening day. A young guy. Uh, we'll see. I don't really have that much more to add on Stephen Kwan. Uh, MJ Melendez, though, uh, he is, I think, my highest owned player throughout draft season. So I was obviously hoping he would break camp with the club. He earned the right to do so, crushing it in spring for the Royals. This guy led all of minor league baseball in home runs last year, 41 home runs. He played in the same league as, as, as Wander Franco, who was like the third best hitter in AAA. But first was MJ Melendez. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a big swing change, I guess, because uh, we didn't have the 2020 data. So the 2019 numbers for him weren't great uh, uh, and wasn't really a top prospect but just absolutely crushed at both minor league stops, double A AA and triple A in 2021. Um, he, he had hit some massive couple, or at least one massive home run this spring. Uh, and, you know, like you said, he can play uh, backup catcher to Salvador Perez can DH. This team does get a little thin at the, at the back end of the lineup. First base also, is a is a big question mark for this team with Carlos Santana seemingly on his his way out or on his last legs. Like you mentioned, they're working him at third base at outfield where they're also a little weak. Um, and then obviously can can spell. He's supposedly a good defensive catcher. I mean, you could yeah. see him just splitting time with Salvador Perez, one DHs and the other catches. That's also a possibility. So I see a lot of paths for him uh, to get in the lineup every day. Uh, Listen, I, I'm not a guy that's normally going to stash a catcher, especially on my bench, but I've just been so high on this guy uh, all year long that, listen, I've had to cut him, right? If I if the injury injury bug strikes me early and he doesn't get a call early and I have to cut him, 
is what it is. But I think he is a very, very high upside lottery ticket. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. The talent level is ridiculous with him. So as long as they're trying to find playing time for him, I'd be intrigued as well. Yeah. Um, right after Melinda's pick, Emilio Pagan went for the listeners out there. He may be the actual closer in San Diego. So keep that in mind. If, 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 if so, if so, I made a mistake on that one then. Yeah, just because the latest mining the news. Believe what you want to believe in that. They said Pagan and um, Suarez are the two favorites right now, but we'll see. There's a lot it's to be like, done still. It could be like six guys, right? So, exactly. There's a bunch yeah. back there, but that could be an interesting pick. That could pan out pretty well at some point in time. Back to round 29 now. Before we get to your pick, I did want to mention C.J. Abrams went in the middle of round 29, and it looks like he may get a spot on the roster for the Padres. Was he interested? Were you interested in him at this round, or is he just kind of a uh, no big deal for you? Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know that much about C.J. Abrams, okay. so enlighten me, Bubba. Should I have been well, interested? Well, he's just a, another big prospect. The way you like your young guys, I figured yeah. you might be interested in him. But they, um, there's an empty 40-man spot right now, mm. and they sent other people down. And they're playing Abrams. They started him in center field today because it's only Grisham there. They're moving him all around. He was a shortstop. He's he can play everywhere. So I'll I'll be uh, I'll be looking him up tomorrow. And if I'm, I need yep. more drafts, he could be he could he could join my uh, my rookie crew here. Yeah. The <laughs> fact he's starting, he's around 29, intrigued me a little bit there. But you went with a couple of veterans to round things out, which works with your young roster. Robinson Cano should hit in the middle of the Mets lineup, DHing second base, and he went Miles Mikolas for those innings in St. Louis. So what would you go with those last two guys? I just want to see what, what Robinson Cano has. I mean, the last time we saw him with the Mets, he was good. Was it injury or suspension? I can't remember what uh, – PED suspension. Yeah, took him out. Yeah, I mean, the but he was he was hitting. Uh, and then last year – yeah, yeah. Last year was the, the PED, right? So we'll see. Um, I think decent chance that, you know, he just maybe doesn't have anything left in his old age. But uh, just a guy that, I mean – they've got a DH in the national league. Now it's an improved lineup. And the last that we saw him, he was hitting also say this kind of goes with the Nelson Cruz. Uh, no, no PED testing during the lockout. So maybe <laughs> these guys come out of the gate hot. They're going to be healthy. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, what about Mikolas? Yeah. Uh, just a guy, I mean, just an innings a- guy that I think I can plug in there. We'll see how long he lasts or if he's effective. Um, not a you know not 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 a super exciting pick, but just someone that could potentially be useful in those first couple of weeks of the season. All right, so looking back at the squad, we know you're you, you went heavy, hitting heavy early. You got some nice ace pitchers as well. A lot of youth to the squad. Saves is probably your your biggest yeah. thing you're going to be approaching this year. What are your overall thoughts on the strengths and weaknesses of this team? Yeah, honestly, for what I was planning to do, it really couldn't have gone much better. I got almost all the guys that I was kind of targeting at each at each round um saves i think are going to be uh you know a a thing that i'm going to have to resolve i'm going to have to find another closer at some point no question about it on the waiver wire i feel especially in this league pretty good about my ability to do so um and then you know listen if these rookies if i'm just wrong about the rookies this year it's it's possible that these rookies will do we've seen it last year they all kind of really struggled I think that was kind of due to the miss 2020. I, I would say it has a lot to do with that, yeah. And then this crop of rookies just seems special to me. Uh, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez and Riley Green, they seem like special players. Uh, that, could, that could legit be the top three AL Rookie of the Year candidates. 
Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, I'll throw Spencer Torvalson. He looks like a special hitter. Adley Rushman when he comes back. I, I really think this is going to be the year of the of the rookie hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I really believe that. Obviously, my draft reflects that. So, but but risky. And then you know, my pitching staff obviously has a ton of risk overall as well. Charlie Morton is thirty nine. Clayton Kershaw. Who knows what we're going to get out of him? Blake Snell. We know he can just implode and kind of just lose the confidence or whatever it is and, and you know and just not perform so you know Alex Cobb Josiah Gray like there's a, a lot of risk in the pitching staff it's guys I believe in but uh, certainly you can see where it would go uh, awry uh, and then you know the strengths it's like easy to see the strengths when you look at the upside of these guys Acuna and Witt and, and, and Albies and Metal I mean it's up and down the roster, right? Julio Rodriguez and Riley Green. If things break right, like you mentioned earlier. It could be a, a dynamite offense. Uh, so that's what I'll be hoping for. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I like the build. It's like not a, it's not a Dave Potts team, boring, but works team. It's a, there's a lot of fun to it, a lot of upside with risk at the same time. And when you leave a 15 team draft, there's always gonna be something you're deficient in. There's, sure. no, there's no way around that. So saves is something you can find. That's if you're going to be deficient, you can find saves. It's been documented time and time again. You mentioned it. So you got $1,000 of fab to play with, and you can have some fun with that. For uh, those wondering, you mentioned Torkelson. He went in the middle of round 18. His ADP was 250 entering tonight. So yeah. he, he's moving up as well with the with the recent discussion of him and Green making the squad. Uh, were there Before we wrap up, were there any other picks that kind of stood out to you kind of like as a surprise or that you wish you would have been like, oh, man, I should have went and got him instead? Yeah, we talked about him a little bit. Uh, Matt Brash for the Mariners. I do think he's going to get the fifth starter role. He got jumped up. Uh, real, yeah, it was the 18th round. I was mm-hmm. hoping maybe to get him in like the 28th or 29th. We had an um, ADP of 378 before this. Yeah, but, but he's another guy uh, that I do think could thrive. Uh, another guy got sniped on by that same guy in uh, the, the 15th seat was Aaron Ashby. Mm-hmm. who uh, I think is going to start in the bullpen most likely just as, you know, kind of the sixth man, but he stretched out dominating in spring. The the upside for him looks enormous to me as well. So he was one that I was kind of uh, a little bit bummed about missing out on. And then the other thing I'll ask you, cause I know you had your, your hitters early approach. Are you always hitters earlier? Do you sometimes yeah. go pitchers? Are you always okay? That's I mean, pretty much always. Yeah. I just feel more confident in my ability to find a good pitcher, good pitchers uh, on fab than I do to find an everyday stud hitter, right. That you get in those first few rounds. So just kind of a, a personal preference thing. Obviously everyone has their own way, but that's, that's where I find my, the most of my success. No, I like it. It's, it's different because the, everyone talks about how the pitching is pushed up and the main I, events. I love the pushing getting pushed up, pushed up and, it helps, and, helps and you, all the hitters just fall right in my lap. Yeah, there's five starting pitchers taken in the first round. Like it, it helps you out tremendously. So that's yeah. a good, good way to go about it. But unless uh, you have any final thoughts on the draft, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. No, yeah, thanks for for having me. I'm a, a loyal listener of of Bench with Bubba, and uh, might have been two or three years since I've been on. So we'll have to yeah, do too it again long. It was, it was too long. I know we talk about it, and then yeah. you know, everything things come up, pandemics, 
lockouts, yeah. all kinds of fun stuff. Hopefully, so. no more pandemics. Yeah, well, or <laughs> lockouts. I won't get into we that. Do away with those two. Yeah, I won't get into it on this show. What there ain't yeah. gonna be no more pandemics. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> but uh, we'll wrap it up there. Everybody, make sure you follow him if you don't already for some weird reason. He's on Twitter at Draft Cheat. Works over there. At Run Pure Sports. A lot of good content. The boys are pumping out over there all the time. And if you ever want to have a party, just watch what they do. They they know how to party. But um, uh, Pete, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Bench with Bubba, episode 457 in the books. Catch you guys next time. better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.